The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm here this week with my one true co-host, Nate Heininger. And uh, this week we are bringing you an episode about a game that respects your time, and hopefully this episode will also respect your time. Uh, We're talking about Vampire Survivors. Uh, One of the slighter things that we've covered on the show, but also I think something that I think is kind of worth talking about a little bit. It's a weird, neat little thing to happen in the world of games. Yeah, I've been really enjoying playing this. I don't often jump into um, games like Early Access, um, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But uh, this game, I kept seeing recommendations for it. And then even in the Discord, um, people were recommending it as something that particularly I would like. Um, And I finally jumped in and everyone's exactly right i love this game uh we're we're also jumping into this trend that uh, was huge in january yeah i've heard much about in the last month or so so uh, as per usual we are well behind the time naturally um uh vampire survivor uh was one of those things that was sort of inescapable in the video game conversation around january and it was it's kind of a weird thing to have happened um it's a game that really virally blew up uh, on, especially on Twitch and YouTube. Um, and uh, at one point had what was the what was the number that was it was hitting at least on, on the Twitch? the article we were looking at had it it peaked at uh, seventy seven thousand people were playing it one time on Steam. I don't know how right. many were streaming it on on Twitch, but for a a game made by a lone developer um, that is in early access. Uh, 77,000 concurrent players is pretty, um, pretty wild and, 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 and really interesting, especially for a game like this. I think I can kind of see why this became such a, uh, success. Uh, Always there's the element of like complete random chance and luck there, right? You know, the right YouTuber makes the right video at the right time and it hits with the right audience, the right uh, Twitch streamers pick it up at the right time. And, you know, somebody makes a funny joke on stream while they're playing this and everyone repeats it. And suddenly everyone is, is, you know, aware of this game in a way that they weren't previously. I don't know, Reagan, you're sounding kind of sus right now. (laughs) <laughs> but this is like a this is like a three dollar uh game that began as like a you know uh html5 thing on itch.io it eventually got released uh on steam and it's like it's surprising that this has hit as large of an audience as it as it has it has this like incredible level of and i say this with love absolute jank this is a weird <laughs> janky game from a lone developer that has has hit pretty widely um and i don't know i had a i had a blast playing it i found it actually extremely compelling and addictive so yeah. i i wanted to talk about the game itself but i mean you know it, uh is there anything else to say about its weird viral popularity before we dive into talking about the game itself mm, no not necessarily I, I was gonna say that uh you, you talk about the jank the jank is real but it's also maybe the most understandable jank uh, that I've ever experienced in a game. Once you get going and the, the pure insanity that is happening on the screen, you kind of expect some jank uh, with with something so um, absurd happening when you really get going in this game. But um, no, I mean, I think like I I don't generally engage in early access games. Um, I, I honestly think the last time I, I did an early access game was Kerbal Space Program, which actually is one of my fondest gaming memories of all time was getting into Kerbal Space Program mm. early. That game really – and that, that was like a perennial like yeah. uh, early access game. It was, it was in early access until it was finally – until they yes. announced a sequel or something. Yeah. I forget, but, but forever. I mean, it, but it was wonderful. I mean, truly landing on the moon uh, was w- – it still ranks as one of my highest like game accomplishments and it, like for the challenge that it felt for me um, really early on in that game when it was really early in development, um, which also my landing on the moon, my ship exploded on impact, but somehow my, uh, what did they call it? My Kerbal 
survived the impact. So uh, oh, my my first landing on the moon was just Marooned. was just a single Kerbal landing alive on the moon. And I spent the rest of my time on that game trying to craft a a moon lander that could land, pick him up, and bring him home. Uh, and, oh. and so it became this sort of what do they call that? Um, emergent gameplay or whatever uh it was the whole thing was was phenomenal i learned about orbits and all it that's a that is a perfect emergent gameplay yeah. moment the like bring him home yeah yeah you know, that, bring him home that's like that's like the plot of the martian or right something right there a lot of kerbals Beautiful. died trying to get that kerbal home uh oh, man but i i you can't uh, just leave him there no of course not um i uh but there was there was enough appeal that i saw about this game obviously the hype I bought into the hype. And then also, frankly, $3. Like, mm-hmm. I get uh, one of the things that drives me, not drive, one of the things that keeps me away from uh, early access games, besides my desire, just like, I'll just wait. I'm patient. But there's enough games. I don't need to get into a game early. But a lot of uh, early access games are, are, are charging. And I try not to think too much about price, uh, you know, when I can. But like, a lot of the early access games are charging near what the, price of the game is going to be anyway when it's all said and done. So I just think I'll just wait, I'll just wait till it's a complete product and I'll buy it and I'll play it. Um, Mm -hmm. This game, $3, like almost no barrier to entry support the developer, give it a shot. And I think this sort of game works well for something like early access. So I think in particular though, like one of the things that the developer said about why he, or how he approached this game, which was, I think in an interview uh, he did with vice, um, was he was talking about how he was kind of created this game because he wanted to have sort of an exercise in community management, which is an interesting approach. Like uh, that's the thing that, that early access really does is like you get an opportunity to build something, you know, most of the way or part way. And then from there forward, you're kind of hopefully involving a community, adding content, releasing it regularly, et cetera. And I think it's really interesting to think about like, this is a game that he created because it was something that he could manage as a single solo developer and continue to add content to periodically. He wanted to create something that he could kind of like drop new content every weekend or something. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, you, you can see that, you know, playing out here. Um, so I don't know, really, really interesting approach. And I, you don't really see people approaching game development as a community management exercise very much. I saw that too. I was like, man, what kind of maniac wants to go and manage a community as their desire just that seems so unappealing to me but but uh you know i i do think that that's a that's a cool cause for this and it and it does make sense and i have i'm not inherently against uh early access at all i think it's a it's a no. great service uh and some great games uh, come out of it and games are made better because of it um hades mm-hmm. is a Look great hades, yeah. yeah hades is yeah. going to be my exact example but that's a, another one where like i didn't play it until it came out with a 1.0 on Switch, because yeah. I was like, I know I'm only going to play this thing once, probably. That actually didn't turn out to be the case with Hades. <laughs> I went back to it a zillion times. That's maybe but, my um, favorite developer, Supergiant. I was like, no, I'll just wait. I'm content mm-hmm. to wait, you know. But mm-hmm. but something about well, the... the it, con- it makes sense to hear, like, the, the common thread there is that they're both uh, roguelikes. This is essentially yeah. a roguelike in the same way that Hades is. Uh, you know, and I think something about that early access model works particularly well for run-based games because you're, you are going to be coming back to it periodically to just do one more run. And if the developers added some new stuff you know a new weapon or whatever then that just is additive to your run yeah Uh, you're not just like playing through a plot and it's missing a chapter until you come back 10 months later or something like that so well in in this game like like hades is all about balance and if you're going to make a game like this you're either going to need to have extensive play testing to make sure your balance is tight or something like early access so Mm-hmm. Um, a lone developer does not have the budget likely to uh, play test something to the degree that you would really want to to test your your balancing and the way this game scales. There's so many uh, uh, different weapons and combos and ways things play off of each other. Um, mm-hmm. Bringing in a community to help you test it and make it better, I think, is is very smart and especially for a game exactly like this because you never know how a player base is going to utilize the the tools that you've created uh and so why not just bring them in early and and let them 
you know, let them help you test it. So, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that is, which is also what led to me being like, all right, I'm going to take the plunge. This game seems great. I'm excited. I'm going to give it a shot. And I think besides all those reasons why this game has clicked and all the reasons why it makes sense to be an early access game, I think this game is maybe the most pure source of video game dopamine that I have played in a long time. It is insane how satisfying and insane or insane twice in the same sentence, uh, how like over the top absurd this game can get and just how fun it is to just mow down wave after wave after wave of tiny little pixelated monsters. I mean, by the end, you are destroying literally tens of thousands, if not into the hundred thousands of monsters in a single run. And I don't know of any other game where you are getting anywhere close to that degree of destruction with weapons flinging and flying. It's bullet hell. Someone in the discord called it, 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 uh, you you know, this is a bullet hell game, but you're the bullet. It's insane. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. It is really satisfying to see those sort of like math. I I was just doing a, a, a run here recently where I got, pretty high up there you know i didn't quite make it to the finish line but um uh suddenly i realized this is sort of like watching popcorn popping (laughs) for like 30 30 minutes you know it's like it's like watching just like you know at first things start slow (laughs) and you know you're 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 working for every pop and then by the time the things really get going it's like that the moment when your popcorn is really going and it just goes. Yeah, but then for it just while. keeps going and then there's bigger popcorn kernels and now uh-huh. and it never stops and it fills up your whole house with popcorn and then it spreads through the neighborhood and then suddenly the entire country is covered in popcorn. God, we can only dream. <laughs> I love popcorn. Me too, man. Oh, this is- this has, been, this has been a big popcorn time for me. This is a total sidebar, but now we're talking about popcorn, and I, I'm not, I'm not pulling the stick back. Um, I uh, we you know we we've been uh, we built our our big uh, home theater setup earlier uh, nice. late, late last year, and it's been amazing. And and a big part of that has been, I was like, you know, I need I need popcorn, and I hadn't bought like just straight up bags of popcorn, like a big Costco box of bags of popcorn in a really long time. And uh, so I started doing popcorn again, and man. That's that's an that's an addictive and dangerous thing. Doing the whole like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make a bag of popcorn, dude. I and that has been every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, but I could just make another bag of popcorn. Yeah. Oh man, it's dangerous. Um. Yeah. Popcorn has been like my go to like evening, you know, snack for basically my entire life, and and in the last year or so, I've gotten really into doing. Uh, I've moved away from microwave popcorn, even though I, I love it. Um, and I've started doing oh, teach me sensei stove popcorn, you know, make it on the uh. stove. And I got this new, um, popcorn salt. That is this like combination of dehydrated butter, nutritional yeast, salt, a little bit of pepper. It's all the things that people put on popcorn. What? Uh, and it is glorious. And I, I truly enjoy it better than microwave popcorn, which I, I'd always had this relationship with like stovetop popcorn where it's like, this is less good, but it's, it's like a 10th of the calories. And it's just, it's a, it's a lighter snack than microwave popcorn. Um, but it always felt like this is not nearly as satisfying as microwave popcorn. And it was mm. that balance of lightness versus like the butter crusted microwave popcorn that I love. Um, That's what I love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And pop, go to, go to a movie. I'm getting the tub. I love popcorn. And uh, anyway, so this this uh, salt and I, I'm trying to find the name of it. I I don't want to. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it while while we're talking, or I'll you know I'll put we'll, it in we'll the show it later if we got. Yeah, in the show notes if we. Can. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but oh no, actually, or just text me. Just text me, Nate. It's called Bitterman's Buttery Popcorn Salt, and oh. it is so good. It's so good. I, I I've started putting it on other things. <laughs> uh, I put a little pinch in my mouth about, in the morning, you know, buying brush, a popcorn popper, you know, one of those like the like machines that does it. Have you ever done? Have you ever had the popcorn popping machine thing? I've never done that. What do you mean? Like a air popper you know, or like? A, yeah, I think yeah. I don't know any. I don't know enough about it. I, I'm just like, I'm ready to take my popcorn game up a notch from the microwave, but I don't know what to do. Next. <laughs> I, I've, I don't have one of those. Um, I've, I've had popcorn from it. It's fine. 
Um, there's something nice about the stovetop with the oil. I think it makes it a little bit crispier than than like an mm. air pop popcorn. But again, it's a an air pop popcorn is a is a another step towards healthier choice because if you're just doing raw like popcorn and salt that's been air cooked, it is a very very uh, you know it's a very healthy snack. Um, but on the other side of that, what I thought maybe you were saying, my parents have one of those like carnival you know sc- yeah. school fair things where like. It's got the hanging metal basket, you know, that you load yeah, up with the popcorn and it and it shoots yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll use that sometimes for like, you know, kids birthday parties or one time I took it with me to work and it was uh, it was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, Listeners, if you have the secrets to taking your popcorn game up a notch from the microwave and you've got the the, the thing that I need to be shopping for. Uh, yeah. Like. Let me know. I am. Uh, th- I'm ready for this to be my next fussy coffee setup. You know, <laughs> like I spend a lot too much time making coffee. Now I'm gonna like spend too much time and effort and money making popcorn, and I'm prepared for that. So well, let the, me know what your secrets. That's a nice. Th- I mean, nothing's gonna beat a three minute bag of microwave popcorn. But the stove top with the salt that I'm talking about, you can mm. make the whole thing from nothing. Uh, use sunflower oil. Do it. it. It'll take you ten, maybe fifteen minutes, but it's. It's worth it. It's so good. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, anyway. we're talking about a game, right? <laughs> now that we've had 15 minutes of popcorn talk, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, where were we? We were talking about the – let's talk about the mechanics of this thing. Or where were we? What, were we? Do we have some important thing to say before we – We're talking about popcorn. We're talking about popcorn. I got a couple more things to say about popcorn. Now, uh, I All think right. we we're just saying like I, you know, my, my point, what led to the popcorn was – that I think this game is also got so massive just because of how purely enjoyable it is. And then also how simple it is. Uh, it's not easy, but it's simple. Um, so it's easy to pick up, easy to start playing. And then once you understand it, once you get going, um, it's, it's pure joy. So yeah, let's, if, if you haven't played this game, uh, I guess let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the, the core mechanics of it. Yes. Um, let me do my best. Uh, so it's a roguelike in that, you know, you choose a character to play as you choose a level, uh, you unlock those things progressively as you go. And then you are just a little knockoff Castlevania sprite walking around a knockoff Castlevania level, not a platformer, but basically just imagine mostly big empty fields in a sort of vaguely Castlevania look. Um, playing top down, I guess, but all the characters are, are <laughs> illustrated from flat. the side on, <laughs> yeah. which is another area where this thing, you know, it just, it's jank, right? Like it, it, there's no, there's no aesthetic taste to this. Oh, I love it. Um, Everyone's flat, but you move on a, on a, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Visuals is it like isometric, but everyone's laying down. <laughs> I don't uh, kind of, <laughs> it, yeah, it looks, it looks a bit like they, well, okay. They, they clearly grabbed some, royalty-free art assets here like the yeah. the developer said that at some point he had bought a pack of like knockoff castlevania sprites as like a royalty-free art asset pack uh, and he said that you know he had spent uh 1100 pounds so about 1500 dollars on um art and music for the game that was royalty-free meaning that he can use it without paying back royalties to the to the person who created it as a, as a sellable thing which is something that a lot of developers do. There's no shame in this. This is a totally normal thing, especially yeah. that small devs and and uh, and you know uh, solo devs do. They'll buy art assets that are royalty free, meaning that they don't have to you know hire somebody to do art for their work. They just uh, you know buy a pack of things and they can use it in their game and they can still sell the game without having to pay royalties. No big deal. But this is like. This is like Z grade royalty free <laughs> art, in my opinion. Like really bad. Ugly pixels, not good looking. They're fine, and the care, you know, like there's there's a good variety. The one thing that I'll say for it is that there are tons and tons and tons of different monsters. The monsters are just like totally, they're not animated. They're just totally immobile little monster sprites that mostly just sort of like move in vaguely straight lines directly for you. Um, uh, but yeah, you are you are a little dude. You are going around and. Uh, uh, the the key thing here is that you, ha- you you're collecting various different weapons and attacks 
but you're never hitting a button to do any of the attacks. All of the attacks are on timers. Something a little bit like things like, uh, well, actually, it's not really the right. I was going to say it's a little bit like something like a uh, an MMO where you're just sort of like hitting you know, a key every 15 seconds on a, on a cooldown. Yeah. But you don't even have to hit the key here because everything, every attack you do is just on a timer where it goes every N seconds or happens constantly. And all you are worried about is walking around. You're controlling where your character walks, but all of your weapons are firing automatically, either just in a particular direction, like facing ahead of you or homing in on enemies nearby or whatever. Different, different weapons do different stuff. Yeah, um, speaking about the art, I agree a hundred percent. My daughter was watching me me play, and she's really into just like monsters and 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 stuff like that, and knows most of the the classic monsters. And she's like, "What's that thing?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Well, what's that thing? <laughs> I don't know. What's that thing? I truly don't know what that thing is supposed to be. That's a monster. Yeah, it's like weird faces, little swirling. Um, uh, actually, she said one of them looks like uh, it's a real sign of of the time and what she's been raised in. She said one of them looks like the coronavirus. <laughs> like ah. she, <laughs> like, um, and uh, you know they, they're like indis- indeterminable monsters, like a green bulbous thing, uh, a stretchy, scary face, um, like a mummy sort of thing. Uh, th- but it doesn't really matter because they're only going to be on the screen for a couple of seconds before they get uh, pulverized by whatever insane combination of weapons that you have going. Um, and, and yeah, there, there really is no, um, there's no button pressing other than you're moving around using, you know, if you're playing on keyboard, AS, uh, WD or the, um, the, uh, standard arrows and, and that's it. And like the strategy of the game there is some um, ideal sort of pathing that you can take depending on what weapons you're using, where you are kind of like kiting or circling the the monsters in a certain way in order to avoid mm-hmm. being hit, but bringing them into the range of your weapons um, or just positioning yourself in the right spot on the map so that everything just runs into the the maelstrom of insanity that is, surrounding your character and just everything's getting vaporized. Um, but it's really about like the, the challenge of the game um, comes from your weapon selection and the way in which you maneuver your guy in order to best uh, utilize the weapon selection. And that's where the game actually, I think does start to get pretty dense and why it has such replayability. Everything about controlling it is simple. The design is simple. Um, the UI is very, very simple. Uh, but there's a broad range of either weapons or power-ups. You can select up to six weapons per run or and six power-ups. Each weapon has its own, um, it's very distinct ability. So they'll be like, the first character you play starts with a whip and it, it's, it's basic level. Is it just on a timer? You know, it's about every, maybe, I don't know, two seconds or so it, it whips out in front of the character. Um, maybe like a quarter, uh, maybe like a sixth of the screen or so. And everything that's in that range, it whips out in front of the character. So if you're, you know, whatever way you're facing, it'll whip out and it'll do damage. Uh, early on, it's enough damage to kill whatever in front of you. It'll also push enemies back a little bit. As you level up, you will unlock the ability to po- to level up your various weapons and power-ups. So that whip, what might start as a basic whip, will eventually power up to this like insane whirlwind sort of thing where you are throwing out like six or seven whips at a time that are in front of you and behind you and up. Um, there's other weapons that are like fireballs, um, a Bible that spins around you, um, an axe that just sort of pops out of you and, and deals damage. And all of them have their own power-ups or their own um, leveling system. And then there's a range of power-ups that do classic RPG stuff like increase your armor, increase your damage, increase the range of your weapons, things like that. 
Uh, and it's up to you to, to kind of pick which ones you want. Every time you level up, you get a selection. It's randomized. Um, and, and that's where the strategy really comes in is what weapons are you going to take? Which ones are you going to level up in what order? And how are you going to maneuver your little person in order to completely utilize those weapons? And there's so many that it uh, makes it a pretty deep uh, game, at least from my opinion. Uh, it is surprisingly deep. And I've had um, – how far have you gotten with it so far? Because I know that this this is early access, but, like, there's not – there is kind of an end game with this game. You know, you can uh, upgrade the or sort of evolve the various weapons and items, uh, and that requires doing pretty long runs to do. Um, I have, I know there's a kind of a threshold at like thirty minutes, and I have only, uh, I've been getting really close to it. I've played this game for about six hours, just in various little short spurts but um i i've never actually hit 30 minutes i've hit 30 or i've hit 29 and like i can't believe that 50 seconds or something like that like (laughs) an absurdly close number but i've never actually hit 30 minutes so what what is what is that like actual i don't think that's i don't think you can call it an end game here but like what is what happens at 30 minutes and and what is that that final upgrade process like yeah so um that's another thing that we haven't really talked about yet and, and why I think this game, you know, does respect your time. Besides all the roguelike elements, roguelikes are short games. Well, you know, I can I'll repeat that forever. But uh, or roguelikes do respect your time. Um, but also this game has a hard 30 minute. <laughs> uh, I will I will continue to die on that hill. Roguelikes respect your time. But anyway, um, they uh, um, at 30 minutes. Everything on the screen goes away and death which is like a really cheesy little reefer, you know, sprite shoots onto the screen and deals insane damage to you and, and you die. There is, that's it. That's the end of the game. You get a bonus for succeeding 30 minutes. Uh, you get a gold bonus, which Reagan said, you know, there's permanent upgrades you can make classic, you know, roguelite stuff. Um, and, and it's over. And that is considered a successful run is, is surviving, uh, vampire surviving, even though there are no vampires, uh, for for 30 minutes. And there are multiple different stages. The stages kind of increase in difficulty to a degree. Uh, so you your goal is to make it 30 minutes. And uh, once you die from death, you just start over. Um, it's kind of anticlimactic, but the whole ramp up, especially like the 20 to 30 minute mark, is so climactic that it kind of is like a cool down. You just get wasted really quickly by death. Now, technically there are some, uh, maniacs out there who figured out ways to like trick the system and, and essentially exploit the mechanics to actually kill death. Um, which I think is awesome. And I hope that the creator like leans into that ability to kill death. Um, but it's, Oh yeah, it's a total exploit. Like, death's uh, level is based off of your level at 30 minutes. So you have to do this insane thing to not actually level up at all until you spawn death. And then you quickly grab all the experience level up to get really strong. And then you can, it's, it's, it's a lot, but you can do it. And uh, um, I I think, I, I assume this is part of, of where this game will see most of its expansion besides the addition of, more weapons and more levels. Um, I kind of like that. The ending is just this sort of anticlimactic, no matter how good you're doing, you're going to get killed no matter what. Um, But the game has a a series of increasing bosses that come out and you, you fight them. And when you destroy them, you, you get a treasure chest. And I will, I will uh, say that I don't think there's a more joyous thing in video games than opening a opening a chest in Vampire Survivors. Oh, the- it is <laughs> it's just an explosion with special special music. It's it's yeah. great. The music, the the imagery, uh, what's going on? It is it is joyous every time. I've opened hundreds at this point, and I watch it with satisfaction every time. But anyway, um, so you're fighting these like increasingly scaled bosses. Um, and I assume that at some point there will be more of a like end game end game to this, where maybe there's like the toughest boss of all or, or some sort of boss rush or something like that. Yeah. 
um, and and they just haven't gotten there yet uh, with the development um, or not. Part I don't know. I wonder, part of what I wonder about with this is like, obviously the, the, the like long-term play here is to continue adding new stuff, you know, and at some, some amount of that has to be extending the session, right? Like, you know, it pretty much has a soft cap at 30 minutes, not a, death showing up, not a soft cap. It's a hard cap. Other than these, goo- yeah. other than these goofy exploits, you will die to death. It, it comes out at, at, um, like I was reading the equation is like, it takes your level and adds 650,000 HP for every level that you are. So if you're level 100, you can get into the hundreds of levels you know, it's coming out with like millions of HP when most things are in the hundreds, you know, so it is not you're not supposed to be able to beat it. It's only because of right. the like jankiness of the game that people are beating it. So uh, but I'm like, I think it, I don't think there's much further that they can go than about 30 minutes with the with the setup they've devised here. Like, like how busy can like how, would it actually be much more fun? Like, let's say that they were going to extend this to an hour long session. Once you reach a certain density of characters on screen and you're just mowing them down with like, like just stand there and let the lightning strike them all and, you know, just sort of rake in the, the, uh, the experience points without needing to do much of anything. Um, it like, is it really worth extending? So I think maybe it's, it's uh, really smart that they have this kind of like, you know, good job. You made it. Here's yeah. your prize, which is losing. Uh, is like, yeah, like, it makes a lot of sense that it happens at about that stage because almost any farther than that, and you're just gonna be standing there, yeah, I, letting I, the lightning strike things and stuff. I think it's pretty critical that it ends at 30 minutes. Now, they are saying they want to develop an endless mode, but endless mode is mm-hmm. different than extending the, the goalpost to an hour to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I, I'm cool with an endless mode because. It would be kind of fun. Sometimes you get these like perfect combinations that truly are feel that truly feel overpowered and they're kind of hard to get. Uh, and it can be kind of disappointing at 30 minutes when it's done. You're like, oh, my golden run is over. Um, so I can yeah. see why an endless mode would be fun just to see how far you can test the limits. Uh, but otherwise, I think the 30 minutes is great. I, I think that they yeah. need to. I, w- I wonder if there's any way to make that like mechanically interesting what like the the problem here is like once you get fully leveled up or you know you get a a significant number of these upgrades you're just invincible until something yeah smacks you down in a totally unfair way so i like i I don't know like how do you introduce like a boss that comes at you in a way that makes that end game interesting or whatever well the game the game is doing a lot of under the hood calculations, which I think is really cool. And another reason why I think this game has been successful, especially in a streaming capacity, it is tracking the amount of damage that you're doing for every single weapon, uh, which gets into the millions. When you have a complete run, it's tracking how many of everything you've killed. It's tracking the DPS of uh, the weapons that you've used. It, it, It tracks everything. So I would imagine that they could possibly create some sort of scaling system that like introduces bosses that are based off of your current DPS capacity or something like that. But I I, mm-hmm. I have no idea what their their intent is. I, I do think that they need to solve for what you are kind of talking about here, though, is that uh, once you get powerful enough, truly the best strategy is to just stand there and let everything enter into your, uh, into the hellhole that is the center of the screen. And that is fun and satisfying when you get to that point. But it's also kind of weird that like peak, this game is not even touching the game anymore. It's just watching. And and that feels a little unsustainable. (laughs) You still kind of want to move around a little, even if you are like completely uber powerful, eventually like it it will still send um, like either fast moving enemies at you who will make it past your, you know, sphere of pain or whatever and get in and, and touch you. Um, or also you still need to move around a little bit to hoover up all of the little like gems, right? Yes. But there's, there's a a way in which the game calculates experience that is, is interesting too, is that there's, and I don't totally understand how this works. I, I, I've generally avoided reading too much about the like, um, actual strategy because I like to figure these games out myself. But one thing I have that I kind of understand is that 
there's only so much experience that can be seen on the screen at one time. And once mm. you've reached that capacity, it starts to build up outside of your screen in the form of these really dense experience points, gems. to where when you pick one up, it might level you up like 10 times if you've been waiting long enough. And so again, one of the better strategies is to just sit still, let everything run into you and die for quite a while. And then you spend, yeah, like 30 seconds moving around, collecting all these dense experience gems. And then you go right back to standing still. It's one of the most effective ways to level up. Um, but it, it's not necessarily the most fun of it, but this game is definitely also very much about min maxing and, and seeing what, uh, how much DPS can, can you put out? So I don't know. I, I do think long-term they're going to need to solve something for that. Like there needs to be some sort of challenge that keeps you moving, keeps you engaged other than, like you said, every once in a while a boss gets through and you need to move a couple of inches, but, but not always because <laughs> some of the, some of the weapons all have pushback and like yeah. most things won't get through that. Yeah. You know, you're right. I, I I wonder if they even need to solve this stuff, though. Like, these are, like, finer points where, like, if their goal is to continue developing this in a way that makes it more mechanically interesting at high levels, they're going to have some interesting game design problems to solve. But I'm not actually sure they even need to bother because this is really just a game that, at least the way that I was engaging with it, was, like, this is a a game that is, like, a, uh, like, turn off brain and press release valve in between other things. And it works really well for that. It has that feeling that for me, like it's totally a different gameplay thing. But like for me, it's a, it's a similar kind of vibe to the way I kind of turn off my brain and play a level of Alto's Adventure or yeah. Alto's Odyssey, which is like, you know, my like perennial favorite mobile game. By the way, total side note, um, Alto's Adventure just came out with a sort of remake yeah. version on Apple Arcade that they just released. It's the original Alto game, not the new one, not the, not the second one. And uh, it has some additional content. And I'm always happy to go back to that game. It's it's uh, it's out now. Unlocked a new character. Yeah, new content in a game I've been playing for like eight, ten years or whatever. Uh, we've been um, doing this show long enough to uh for the games that we've covered kind of around when they came out to now be getting remasters and remakes i know yeah. i know uh but, um, ma- but like complete opposite like, vibe six, of altos yeah <laughs> opposite vibe but like serving a similar purpose for me yes. right because like, this is this is like the, like if i get frustrated in elden ring which i've been doing a lot of lately uh and i quit out of that and i want to spend 15 minutes doing something else where i can turn my brain off Uh, this is a great thing for that. Yeah. Um, Uh, And I think it's going to do really well on mobile if they make it there. I think, you know, I saw the developer writing about that on the, their sort of like devlog on, on steam where like they're trying to solve some engine issues. This is a game that just like throws so many things on screen that they're really pushing up against the limits of the chosen. It will kind of grind to a halt at times. Uh, I don't know if that happened to you. I mean, I'm playing it on a new computer and yes, it becomes clear that it's not my computer that's having a problem. It's, it's the game itself is having a hard time processing all of the information that's happening on the screen. I assume not just because of the visuals, but because of that back end calculating that we're talking about. It is counting every creature that you kill and showing you on the screen. So you were getting into, I think one of my runs, I had like 58 or 68,000 kills. Um, Yeah. I also think it's a good, uh, for me, it's been a good like podcast game. Um, I'm almost always, uh, Mm -hmm. if I'm not playing a game for the show, I'm, I typically am just sitting and playing uh, one of the, Whatever the most recent probably deck builder that we did for the show uh, is, I'm still picking away at them, and I'll just sit and listen to podcasts or or, or something like that. And, and this game has become that for me. Uh, oh yeah, just straight, just listen to a podcast. You can pause whenever because it doesn't matter. You can pause and pick it up a week later, and it's going to be the exact same thing. You don't need to relearn anything. You just start right where you were killing everything. Um, and, and yeah. And if we, if we haven't mentioned this, like this is also a game that you can play one handed, which, um, you know, I don't, I don't usually make that as a, as a huge back of the box quote or whatever, but like, 
I will tell you that this is a game that I can play while I eat chips. It's a good popcorn game. Your hands get so getting, yeah, popcorn. That, bring it back. That buttery you, you popcorn. Eat popcorn. Yeah, it's a good popcorn. While game. playing this game and yeah. not get any grease on your keyboard, uh, and so that has made this fit into my life in ways that I was not expecting. So I recommend it for that purpose. The look in Reagan's face and the and the processing that went through his head when he said, "This is a good one-handed game." uh was was priceless and you're like oh no what have i said <laughs> which Guys, there's nothing sexy about this <laughs> game whatsoever it's not that kind of one-handed uh but it's it's definitely something that you can play while eating a snack yes and that's a valuable thing in our lives yes um so uh what else is there to say about vampire survivors i think practically nothing uh it, we've we've now talked about it uh long enough that death is stalking <laughs> us Oh, no. Even if you subtract the popcorn talk, I think we're now, you know, over time for what we could, you know, uh, say about vampire survivors before being stalked by death. Before we wrap our show up, uh, what's making you happy this week, Nate? <laughs> what a what a seamless transition. Um, yeah. Uh, I watched a movie the other day that uh, Molly and I watched it. I've been wanting to watch since it came out. And I'm very, very glad I did. Uh, have you seen Palm Springs? Yes. Oh my God, that movie rules. Yeah, yeah. I know. So just like us being maybe a month late on Vampire Survivors, I'm like two and a half years late on on Palm Springs or or whenever it came out. Um, and the the difficult part about recommending this in this moment is that uh, I also really don't want to say very much about it if you haven't seen it. Um, but I will say if you're a fan of uh, time loop movies. I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, this is maybe my favorite of them. And, and that's saying a lot. There's some really fantastic movies that, that play on that trope and uh, it's fantastic. I'm also a huge Andy Samberg fan and I think he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, it's probably the best thing he's ever done. Yeah. I, I, I like, I, I don't know. I, I like everything that he does. I'm a, I, I don't dislike him, yeah. but like, this is so much better than, most of anything else in his career like it's it's such a great movie oh man well it's it's re- i want to watch that again now it's a real i mean he's he's actually acting and it's a complicated challenging role unlike you know most andy sandberg it's you're getting the same thing you know I, he's I, not just on a boat <laughs> well if you haven't watched if you watch brooklyn 99 a uh, little bits of okay. it but not not a lot i i've been meaning to get uh, get around to it but comedies are a tough sell in my household i I don't know if i've ever really gone into this you know on podcast but um you know my wife is like extremely anti-comedy in a way that's like it makes it makes her sound kind of kind of weird she's she she just has different tastes she likes horror movies she's not into comedies um and so whenever i want to whenever i want to watch a comedy it's like i have to find time where it's just me yeah. Um and so it's it's hard for me to get especially it's hard for me to get into like lengthy comedies with lots of lots of episodes. So yeah. I just don't ever end up getting around to them even though I potentially might enjoy them like I'm like oh that's on my list. Well, I lo- I've got yeah. when she's traveling the yeah. next time maybe I'll watch a couple episodes of Brooklyn 99 but I have never gotten around to it. I love Brooklyn 99. It's like Parks and Rec in that it's a show where you just like everyone even the like bad guys and the, and the, you know, the enemies of the show, you still like everyone is just fun and, and great. So I really like that show. And, uh, and because of that and other things, I, I really like Andy Sandberg, but this is a totally different thing. It's a more challenging and interesting role than any of the other stuff that he's done. And, and I, I wouldn't necessarily argue that it's the best thing he's done. Um, cause it's awesome. Uh, I, I highly recommend watching it. Um, it is, uh, it's funny, very, very heartwarming, and very, very interesting uh, in a lot of different ways. I, I've been kind of it's been stuck in my head now for like three weeks now after having watched it. So I kind of want to just watch it again. Uh, also, J.K. Simmons is in it, and I love J.K. Simmons. Man, um, I need to check that out. So um, the thing that's made me happy this week. Uh, probably won't be a huge surprise to the video game playing public. Uh, um, I I grabbed the new Kirby game, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Oh, hey, you didn't say and, Elden Ring. I thought that's what you were going to say. So uh, <laughs> that's why that I, is also a I, thing I've been. That's playing why I, I went. Ugh. But no, never mind. Go on. 
Kirby. Yeah, in all honesty, I've been playing more Elden Ring than I have uh, Kirby the sure. Forgotten Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, but Kirby and the Forgotten Land has been making me happy, where Elden Ring has been making me angry. It's an important distinction. Um, Kirby is great. Kirby's always been great. Pretty much every Kirby game has been great, except if they're trying something really odd. This is Kirby's first 3D game, you know, like fully 3D. This feels like the Mario Odyssey of Kirby games. Um, It has this really strange vibe where it's, you know, Kirby's always been like this adorable, uber powerful, cutesy pink sphere. uh, And they always try to throw some little quirk or, you know, new power up idea into games. The, the last Kirby game I really seriously played was planet Robobot on the, uh, on the 3ds, which is also excellent. Um, and there it had like, you know, he's, he, now he's got a robot, but it's just, it's just a Kirby game. Yeah. It just has a robot every now and then. Right. You know, this is the same thing as that. There's a, there's a gimmick now, which is this mouthful mode, which <laughs> is very cute where he can like, Rather than like turning into a little dude, he can like get his mouth around extremely large objects that he can't actually swallow, like cars or vending machines or whatnot, um, and just control them. The car one is really the cute one. Yeah. Being able to control Kirby car is very cute. But mostly this is just Kirby moves into a more fully 3D game. And it's not quite on the level of something like Mario Odyssey where it has that sort of open world feeling where you can kind of go around a really large space. It still has this sort of uh, linear feel. Um, I would say it's a little more on uh, in the lane of like something like um, Super Mario 3D World rather than something like Super Mario Odyssey. But it's just so full of charm. It's just unbelievably charming. And um, my daughter has been enjoying playing it along with me, both watching me play it and trying to control Kirby a little bit. And it's just so damn charming it's wonderful uh, it's been getting great reviews which i think it totally deserves um if you haven't played a kirby game in a few years uh, like you know go into it expecting that this is an easy game there's it, it finds places around the margins to make it more interesting for people who are interested in more challenging platformers but mostly this is just sort of like a fun thing to experience uh you know a fun game for kids that also adults will enjoy but my goodness, it's so cute. I really like it. So um, it, it, I can't recommend Kirby of the Forgotten Land enough. Go check it out. It's on Switch. And yeah, it's great. It sounds wonderful. Uh, it's crazy that like Nintendo's you know, uh, mainline games, it's like C tier is Kirby games. And Kirby games are always, most, or at least most of the time, still incredibly delightful. Absolutely. And I take I take umbrage at that. Uh, it is not a C tier Nintendo game. It is a, it is the uh, the A tier of Hal Labs. Uh, so yeah, I, I was wholly just... owned subsidiary. But like, let Sakurai do something other than uh, than Super Smash Brothers for like ten minutes, and he turns out another banger like this. That's fair. I I, see, I knew C tier wasn't the right way to think to uh, to frame it, but it's like they don't talk about. Uh, you don't see as much Kirby stuff from Nintendo. And I think it it's, seems like they could mine that well so much more than they actually do. I think maybe from their perspective, it's the C tier character beso- behind Mario and, and, and uh, the Zelda franchise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's so nice to see them actually put like a budget behind a Kirby game yeah. and have it be this gorgeous. It's really pretty. Um, I, this is one of those games that like, I, I don't know if you've been, following the like switch emulation scene i hadn't really until fairly recently when i i I, like looked up some videos oh my goodness like you people emulating things like the new metroid on higher end pcs and running games at higher uh resolutions and higher frame rates and things like that because like the switch hardware is really starting to feel a little long in the tooth and and it's like you know emulation on of the switch has gotten has come pretty far and this is one of those games that really made me feel like oh i really really want a newer higher end switch that does like you know has a little more horsepower or maybe try that emulation side of things a little bit because like playing this game on like a regular launch model normal switch um it looks great it really looks great but it's also like man it would really be nice if the waddle D that is back in the background was not moving at 
you know, three frames per second in order to save horsepower, <laughs> or if it was able to just like maybe put a little bit more resolution on screen, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's clearly, um, like I was playing it on my uh, 4k TV and there were times where it was clearly like scaling. It's not even hitting like 1080p or even 720p. I think sometimes it was like bumping the resolution down even farther in order to keep the frame rate up. Um, it runs fine and it looks really good. And on in handheld mode, you never notice everything looks fantastic. But if you play this on like a big screen, like you start noticing the, the seams a little bit more. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that just really makes me wish like, like it's obvious, like from those, the emulation stuff, like throw some extra horsepower at it. And these very same games, these same executables will look and run better. Um, it won't take that much effort. Um, so that's why I'm really looking forward to a new switch, but man, I'm just waiting uh, for my, anyway. I'm waiting for my steam deck, uh, and then same, you know, and then you can run, uh, all your switch games on your steam deck <laughs> at a much better. I have seen rate. some things that indicated that at least some switch games will run better emulated on a steam deck than they will. I heard that too. Actual switch. Yeah. Which I will give that a shot. Yeah. When I get my, uh, when I get my steam deck valve, uh, I'm in the Q2 Q. Me too. And yeah. if you uh if you're listening to this, Valve, and you want somebody to, you know, check it out and talk about it on a <laughs> podcast for a audience of literally dozens of excited <laughs> people, I will be that guy for you, Valve. Just send it my way. Bump me up the queue, please. <laughs> That's gonna work. Yeah, definitely will. I'm sure half of our listeners work at Valve. Yeah. All of them. In fact, Valve, a company you know notoriously uh, dedicated to uh, doing the things their fans want. So, uh, if, <laughs> if only all all it will take is enough of a crowd request for them to, to get those to us. Mm-hmm. I will never complain about Valve again if they send me a Steam Deck. <laughs> never again. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, on uh, on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, we are on Patreon. The show is funded, funded by you, the listeners on Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game. Uh, and Patreon perks, if you back us at even just a dollar a month, you immediately get access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the episodes that we are doing or have done. Uh, and uh, it's also uh, just where we shoot the shit about whatever. And so if you want to tell us about your cool vampire survivor successes or failures, or if you want to talk about Kirby, I am down and you can join us there. Uh, and uh, you are, we also, of course, if you back at the $5 level, uh, we will send you, I will personally send you some short game stickers that will look excellent on your Steam Deck. Uh, and let's see, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R A Y G A N K. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And thanks once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.